Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Last year, as um, my family and I moved to Mankato, uh, the Lord was very much with us as we were house hunting. Uh, we were nervous about it, we were worried about it, but God proved to us yet again how, how worthless worrying is, uh, and uh, He blessed us with a house that fits us very well. Uh, our backyard is, is very small, uh, but it, it has great patio space, and so this spring I wanted to put up some 4x4 four four posts uh, to hang up some patio lights back there so we could enjoy it in the evening. Uh, the first two went in with a, a little bit of effort. Uh, the third one was an absolute disaster. It was a total train wreck. Uh, I got down about 12 inches before I discovered that most of my neighborhood is built on, a, on huge limestone deposits. So 12 inches down, I found this massive rock, and I spent several days trying to break it apart, trying to dig around it, but it was, it was too big. I kept digging wider and wider, and so I couldn't figure it out. Uh, but then as as dads usually do, my dad had a good idea, and, uh, and I ended up drilling a, a huge hole within this gigantic stone in my yard, and then in that hole I was able to, to mount a bracket to hold this, this post. And so this stone that was such an annoyance to me, that was such a, a hindrance, became the foundation that, that held that post up, and it, it's probably stronger than the first two posts that I put in uh, by myself. And so this is the, the picture that we get in our text for today. Uh, with Jesus as the living stone. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series on our stained glass window. So this is pictures of peace, and we're focused on the bottom right uh, panel, uh, with Jesus being that living stone. Uh, our text for today in First Peter talks about how Jesus is this, this precious living stone, this cornerstone upon which God is building his church. But not everybody recognized that. In Jesus' earthly ministry, and even today, People see them as, as a stumbling block, as a hindrance, as this, this piece of garbage that we want to throw away and get rid of, something to avoid. Uh, but God had other plans. He is precious. He is chosen by God to be the cornerstone of his, of his church. And so this text, too, is not just about this simple illustration. There's so much more here. This is not just about who Jesus is and was. It's about how that, that nature of Christ affects us about how as we come into a relationship with him, as he unites himself to us, how he changes us, how he molds us and uses us here in this, in this, in this world. Uh, we're talking today about how Jesus, the, the living stone, comes to be with us, comes to unite himself to us. After he completes his mission, has, has united himself to us, he makes us living stones so we can proclaim the praises of the one who has, has, has done this for us, who has given us life. So let's read our text here from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, like living stones, are being built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, in order to bring spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion. A chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who believes in him will certainly not be put to shame. Therefore, for you who believe, this is an honor. But for those who do not believe, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone over which they stumble and a rock over which they fall. Because they continue to disobey the word, they stumble over it. And that is the consequence appointed for them. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession, 
so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. Dear Heavenly Father, these words are yours, and so we know that they are the truth. And we ask that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Uh, so clearly here in these, these few short verses, there's a lot going on. There's a, uh, several illustrations, a lot of picture, language, uh, several Old Testament references. And add on top of that, that today we are celebrating Jesus' ascension. Uh, so as we talked about in the children's sermon, this is 40 days after Jesus' Jesus's resurrection. And he's talking to his disciples and he, he basically lifts off the ground, is taken up into heaven until the, the clouds are, are hiding him from their view. Uh, now if the, the Bible were written by men, if this were just a, a movie script, this is where it would say the end. Right? They lived happily ever after. Jesus wins the victory and now we just, we just exist. But Jesus is very clear before his ascension. He, he tells his disciples, he teaches us that he did not leave us. Right? He's not leaving us, he's ascending to be with us in a greater way. His plan is not for us to just sit around and wait for his return. Uh, he did not leave us, but things did change. Right? Because everything that Jesus was sent to accomplish, Jesus had accomplished. Uh, his mission was totally and completely finished. He did it all. Uh, so his ascension, his, his ascension into heaven, this is that, that stamp, that, so, that seal of approval, that, that Christ's work of redemption is complete. Everything what he was supposed to do, he did, and he did it perfectly. So as Jesus is speaking to his disciples on this ascension day, sin has been paid for. Uh, salvation has been totally won. That once and for all sacrifice for sin has been completed. Uh, and because of that, there are things now that, that were in existence in the Old Testament that are now obsolete, uh, things that have been fulfilled. Uh, so Old Testament animal sacrifices the blood of, of bulls and goats. Those sacrifices were made to point ahead to the sacrifice that Jesus made. So those no longer need to happen. We don't sacrifice animals anymore. Uh, the, the Old Testament ceremonial and civil laws. Uh, so God's laws for his Old Testament people that, that governed how they would worship, that governed how their, their society would function. Uh, those laws are fulfilled and, and, and those no longer apply to us. So now what? Uh, Jesus has ascended. We're living in this New Testament, this new covenant era in which all sin has been paid for, in which the sacrifice has been completed, the, the prophecies about the Messiah have been fulfilled. Now what? Our text for today explains in part about how God interacts with us, about how this New Testament church is still being built, about how God is still using this, this living stone of Jesus Christ to be the, the living stone, the, the cornerstone on which he is building his church. So verse one, or our first verse says this, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, like living stones, are being built as a spiritual house. So this says that as we come into a relationship with Jesus, as we are given the gift of faith through his word and sacrament, as the gospel uh, gives us this gift of faith, as that living stone now dwells within us, we are are changed. We are fundamentally different than we were before we had this, this gift of faith. We too are being made to be living stones. Like I said at his ascension, Jesus didn't leave. He, he ascended to be with us in a greater way. Uh, Jesus is not just beside us. He's not just 
in our presence. He's not just held in our hearts the same way that, that we hold the memory of our, of our great-grandma in our hearts. It's not just a memory of him. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has made you his dwelling place. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has united himself to you and lives within you. And, and, and with that, you have been made to be a living stone. And when you hear that, I don't want you to think about a, a, a rock with a face on it, right? This is not stones that are being made alive. This is human beings who are alive who are being made into stones. So the picture here is that, that we, as God's people, as, as people who have true spiritual life, are being fitted together, are, are being pieced together, are, are being used as, as construction blocks in this building that God is creating. Uh, we're being united with one another, with other people who have Christ dwelling within them to create a spiritual house. What God is constructing here is the church. And it's not, it's not just a building. The church is you. The church is us. Now to, to, to understand this, this a little bit further, I want you to think about holy places in the Old Testament. Uh, so when God speaks to Moses in the burning bush, he says, take off your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. Uh, think about the, the most holy place, uh, a spot where only the high priest could go under very specific circumstances to do very specific things. Uh, think about uh, consecrated items in the Old Testament, holy items that were set aside for a, a holy purpose, like the Ark of the Covenant. If you touch the Ark of the Covenant, even if you, you did it with a good motivation and you weren't supposed to, if you didn't do it in the right way, you'd be killed instantly. Uh, so these, these holy places, these consecrated things, they were, they were signals. They signified that, that God was present with his people. This was God's symbol. He was saying, I am with you. You are my people. I am in your midst. The holy God is with you. Now think about today. Where are these, these holy places today? What are these, these consecrated items that are set aside for a holy purpose? What does God use to signify that he is present and among us? It's not a location. It's not a place. It's you. Right? Christ dwells within you. God is present with you, and not, not just in, in, a, in a broad sense, but in a very specific and personal sense. He dwells within us. He has united us to himself and him to us. Now, you have been changed on a fundamental level into a living stone because of this, right? And, and we are now this spiritual house, a dwelling place of God. And there's so many implications uh, because of this. Think about what this means for our, our, our self-image, right? our, our self-worth. Uh, think about what this means when we go out into the, to the world and, and, and make action or do, make decisions and, and speak to other people, how we live amongst people who don't know their Savior. Uh, think about what this means when it comes to sins that we think are, are only personal, sins that, that don't affect anyone else, sins that no one else knows about, sins that we do in the, the privacy of our, of our own home in, 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 in secret. I think about all of the implications of knowing that Christ dwells within us, that we have been set apart for a holy purpose, that he has changed us, that he has made us into living stones, that he has united himself to us. Listen to these words and understand that because Jesus accomplished everything, because he has united himself to you, he has made you this. You are a chosen people. You are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. You are a people who are God's own possession. 
Right, don't gloss over this. Don't downplay this. If you feel lost, if you are, are despairing, if you feel worthless, if you feel unimportant or insignificant, look at these words and understand the comfort that God intends you to feel through them. How the world sees us, how the world evaluates us doesn't matter. Right? Even our own feelings about who we are and how valuable we are and how important we are, those feelings about ourselves cannot be trusted. To know how, how loved you are, how valued you are by our God, to know who you are, look at what God is telling you here. Listen to what he says about you. You are so valued and loved by our God that he has made you his dwelling place. He has made you his possession, a member of his holy nation of a royal priesthood. That's who God has made you. That's your identity through faith in Christ. And Peter, in his letter, he's, he's calling us to live according to that identity. So he, he lays this foundation of who we are in Christ, and he calls us to examine if how we are living reflects this identity. And so this, this text, we can look at it, and we can get a big head to say, look how great we are. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, right? I'm, I'm a chosen people. But before we get a big head about this, Peter reminds us how this came to be. We are sitting in this room together, uh, being served by our God through his word. We are, are, are building our foundation on this cornerstone of Jesus Christ, not because we have, have been really good people, right? not because we are, are, are separate and, and different from everyone else and have done all of the right things. We haven't passed some cosmic test that proves that we deserve to be a holy nation. Right? We are, are, are not born as a people of God. We don't look to our nationality. We don't look to our, our lineage. We don't look to our heritage for proof that we are God's people. It has nothing to do with that. We were born as God's enemy. Right? Peter says you are born in the darkness of sin. You were born in the darkness of unbelief. There's no way for you to know that this stumbling block is actually the cornerstone, the living stone upon which you need to build your life and your hope for salvation. In our natural state, we, we yearn for self-glorification, not to glorify God. We, learn to, we yearn to, to run away from Him, not towards Him. And in that state, in that natural state, according to who we truly are alone, we were not shown mercy. We were outside of the, the forgiveness, the mercy of God. And so Peter presents to us these, these two different realities, right? These two different natures of who we are, these two different identities. He says, yes, you are a holy nation, but at the same time, you are, are also a sin-stained person, right? This is who you are by nature. And so how often in our life does, does, how often does our life reflect that, that sinful nature side of us? How often do we live according to that sinful nature instead of what Christ has made us? Peter wrote this letter to uh, Christians who were dispersed throughout the area, Christians who were living surrounded by people who did not know Christ as the cornerstone, who did not have Christ dwelling within them. And he's reminding them, don't conform to the people around you. Be transformed by what God has made you into. And then he gives these practical steps on how to do this. And right before our text, he says, rid yourselves of all evil. He's saying, that's the old you. Your desire to serve yourself, your desire to live for pleasure, for momentary happiness, that's the old you. Live according to who God has made you. He says, get rid of all deceit and jealousy and slander. And then right after our text, he says, push down the desires of the sinful flesh, which war against your soul. We feel that, don't we? Those sinful desires that war against our soul. 
We feel those desires every day. We know that this battle rages in every single one of us. And so we wrestle with these two different natures, these two different identities of who we are. On one hand, we are living stones. We are a royal priesthood. We are this this chosen nation. God looks at us and says, you are my own possession. On the other hand, we are sin-stricken, weak human beings, and we have more faults and flaws than we are even willing to admit to ourselves. And this battle within us, this is why it's so important that we build on Jesus. Right, that cornerstone is the thing that, that was the, the first block that was set in the building, that, that was the, gave direction and, and alignment to every other stone that is built on top of it. It's only by building on that foundation of Jesus Christ that we're able to put all of this together, right, to admit and to acknowledge who we are, what our identity is, to acknowledge that we are sinful, yes, but we are holy at the same exact time. We are weak and we are flawed, but we are a royal priesthood. We are God's own possession. This is only possible through Jesus Christ. We are are holy not because of, of the goodness within us. We are holy because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died in our place. He paid for our sin with his blood. We are a royal priesthood because Jesus was that that once and for all mediator. He went to God before us. He, He represented us before God and laid down his own life as that once and for all sacrifice that paid for the sins of the entire world. So it's only through him, it's only through Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, dwelling within us, making us part of his holy temple, that we are able to understand our identity as we walk this earth, to own that identity. We are weak, we are struggling, we are flawed, sinful human beings, and yet we are so loved by our God that he takes us sinful, struggling human beings and he changes us and he uses us even in our weakness, even in our, our, our flaws and our failures to, to, as living stones to build a spiritual house. And, and the purpose for all of this is clear. The purpose for all of the work of Jesus, the purpose for him, him coming to, to earth to live in our place, the purpose of his death, of his resurrection, of his ascension, the purpose of him dwelling within us is so that we can be built together to proclaim the praises of the one who has done this for us. It's so that we together can offer spiritual sacrifices to our God. We don't sacrifice animals, but we offer spiritual sacrifices to our God. What are those? What are spiritual sacrifices? A a repentant heart. A heart that that every day turns away from the the sinful nature within us, that turns away from our weakness and looks to God in the confidence of the forgiveness that he offers to us. And the confidence of his mercies that are new every single morning. Those spiritual sacrifices are a life of prayer, a life of praise to our God. A a life lived not for for glorification of ourselves, but to make known what God has done for us. And even more than this, all of this work is because of his love. Because of God's unending, overflowing, all-encompassing love for us. And his never-ending desire for us to be in his presence, for us to be with him, to be united with him as he wants us to be. All of this work was done so that we can be with God Jesus Christ ascended and now dwells within us through the gift of faith so that for eternity we can dwell with him. Amen. Please rise for the blessing.
peace which surpasses all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.